Coming to you live from the St. Anthony Hotel yes. in San Antonio, Texas. I feel like, well, it's numbers on boards. I'm Bobby Crowley. He's Jeff Skinwade. Hola. Uh, I feel like St. Anthony is the English version of San Antonio. Am I wrong? Uh, oh, is that right? I thought it yeah. was the patron saint of ball stopping. <laughs> oh, that's St. Carmelo. Anthony. Oh, my wow. bad. Sports oh. joke. Woo! Yeah, hang on the rim. Pew, Look at pew, me, bro. Pew. Dude, it is, it is way, it's Monday morning right now, and it is way too early for uh, for basketball jokes. For bad dad sports basketball yeah, puns. man. But, uh, yeah, we're kind of staying. This is a very meta hotel. I think I'm just going to start calling it the meta. We're staying it, at the Sa- the San Antonio Hotel in San Antonio. I like this one. They used to stay in a different one, and I yeah. Don't we used to stay in the Westin by the Alamo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I like this one though. This is uh, a very charming hotel, and uh, I'm really pumped up, Bob, because when we finish uh, the podcast, me and you and uh, our buddy Jason from Fox Sports Southwest, we're going to head to the Pearl District of San Antonio. Never been there before, but it's where Pearl Brewing is, and they've turned it into this like restaurant entertainment district and all the people that i know that know a little something about san antonio say it's spectacular almost like maybe it's like their sort of uh trinity grove slash bishop arts district thing if you okay. were to like merge those into a thing of mm. a thing is pearl brewing coffee or is that beer it's beer okay yeah pearl pearl light if you ever any of you yeah. uh any of you texans ever drink some pearl light and stuff uh, is right that you here. can you can get that in dallas yeah yeah you don't see it that often but I, i've in my uh, beer drinking career, I've sipped on a Pearl Light before. Yeah, I know you're a regular in uh, in the, I guess the design district. Is that whole thing the design district all the way yeah, up and down? Yeah. So like, you work in the design district. Dude. Yeah. Uh, you but uh, the Mavs offices is in the same building right as the community uh, yep. brewing, and you that's can where the you practice. can smell the beer on Wednesday mornings. God, that's so great, man. I love beer. <laughs> Let's do a beer cast. Okay. Uh, we still got to do a whiskey cast too. Yeah. We're doing a pearl cast today, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, maybe uh, maybe we can head down to Balcones in Waco and do it from the, their their tasting room. Oh, it's in oh, in it's Waco, huh? In Waco, it's so great. The original Texas whiskey. Trust me on this. Stop at the uh, what is that place called? Magnolia with Chip and JoJo. No, 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 no. Oh. Over in West. Uh, oh, to, to get, get some kolaches, kolaches and man. such. What is that place called? West. I don't know. Oh, Kolaches Farm. I feel bad. I I wish I could remember. Someone's just yelling it at their. Radio or phone or TV or hey idiots, computer. it's this. Yeah, what? and we're like, hey idiot, you're talking to the podcast. Yeah, we recorded this two days ago. You moron, bro. Yeah, what device do you listen to this podcast on? By the way, go ahead and tag us on Twitter at Bobby Corolla at Skin Wade and let us know. Oh, dude, can you do a poll or something? Uh, I could. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Um. Okay. Skin. It's yep. Monday morning, so uh, just full disclosure: everything that we're talking about might not be relevant by the time you're listening to this. Although I doubt too much will change. In the next forty-eight hours, we'll squeeze in a San Antonio game. Yeah, well, the, who knows? The Mavs may have won that game by fifty. They I may have so. lost by fifty, or not. the game may have been decided by less than fifty points. Either way, we just know that we want you to listen to this on Halloween as you prepare for the Lakers. Absolutely, this is a, oh, this is going to be a spooky podcast. Oh man! Boom. Oh hey, hey, whoa, watch it! Oh wow, wow, okay, got me. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. So the Mavericks, uh, as of this recording, their most recent game. Last night, Sunday night, against the Utah Jazz, that was a one thirteen to one hundred four final. Mm-hmm. That, that was, was a frustrating a, game. Yeah, it was. It was kind of a frustrating game, honestly. To me, I I don't know. Like, it felt a lot like the Toronto game. It was almost in almost the same exact game, if if you ask me, because Toronto got off to eighteen two start. 
Utah got off to a 13-4 start. The mm-hmm. Mavs clawed back. By halftime, it was competitive in both games. Uh, they were actually winning in the third quarter against Utah. In Toronto, they got to within one, and then it just kind of fell apart. Yeah. You know, I, the, I really home. thought that uh, – and I'd have to go back and look at how it all unfolded, but usually the Mavericks have a huge advantage with their second unit. And they got all the way back, and then actually Utah's second unit had a stretch where they outplayed our second unit, and uh, which is uncommon. That doesn't happen very often. Um, and then also, you know, uh, Utah was on the second night of a back-to-back, and I think that sort of played in to Quinn Snyder rolling with that unit for a longer time, but they were so effective. Grayson Allen was out here just like – Raining three-pointers, what was happening? I know he is a very divisive basketball entity. He going to be all right. Yeah, no, he's going to be good. He's uh, He's got whatever that temperament is uh, where he's going to be. He's almost like uh, Della Vadova with a jumper. You yep. know, he's, he's got that thing where he doesn't let – he doesn't get detoured. But, um, but anyways, that was, I think, frustrating for me because the Mavericks, I felt like, really needed a win – and I don't think Utah played all that great compared to some of the way we've seen them play this year. Obviously, Gobert in early foul trouble. And then Hart pointed this out on the broadcast. Towards the end, or in the second half and, and later in the game, you know, Gobert was hesitant to come over on Dennis. And I think part of it is because of the early fouls, but also Dennis was exploding last night when he was attacking the rim. And I think Gobert was like, ah, I'm going to. I wave this off you know I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna spare myself the embarrassment um obviously Dennis had some brutal plays down the stretch that are gonna stick out in his mind more than the exceptional play he had leading up to the final minutes they blew some opportunities Luca blew a layup but I think at that point that thing had really sort of slipped away what is happening by the way with these with these lay- are, is there like glue on the backboard or something because the ball is just not it's not it's not where it's rimming out it's like literally off the backboard. It's just not taking a good bounce. I don't know. It like JJ missed a couple in that Toronto yeah, game. Right. Like just something happens and they try and throw it up there. It just does not. It doesn't glance off the rim the way or off the backboard the way it should. I agree with that. I, I wonder. Uh, just you know, you get your pro team together and practice layups. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what we are seeing right now too. Uh, there is no way there's any team in the league that is looking to throw a lob to a guy under six seven as much as the Mavs are looking to throw lobs to Dennis. Yeah. And a lot of them are wayward. You know, it's like, hey, okay, okay, he threw it. Luca had one last night to Dennis. Did it hit the rim? It was uh, no, it sailed. No, did it? Okay, yeah. Um, oh, 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 you're talking about like he oh, threw a lob and it hit the, the pass, hit the rim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, uh, yeah, he did have one like that. I thought you were talking about to it where just, it was almost a shot. Yeah, there was another one where Dennis just like watched it sail because yep. he wasn't ready to hop. Uh, there was one like that in the Atlanta game as well. Yes, and I think we're the reason I brought that up is we're seeing a bunch of that early in the year. And they got to figure all that out. I think also DeAndre's got to figure out, okay, they're throwing this. Gotcha. You know, so we're only six games into this thing by the time you listen to this, seven games into this thing. But those are things that all have to even themselves out. Um, And they will. Uh, They just got to play with each other more. And how many bounce passes through traffic out of a post-up have been stolen? Just like things like that that are easily correctable. But I think it's just a matter of – by the time you play 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 games with them, you, you kind of figure it out. Right. But only three members of the starting lineup were here last year. DeAndre has spent virtually his entire adult career playing with a one point guard offense. Right. And now he's got two. Right. You know, in, in Luka and Dennis. 
Um, so I think there's just adjusting for everybody. Harrison's Very, coming back. Right. I mean, that was that Toronto game. I'm sure you watched it, but um, it was just kind of weird. They were really. He took like ten shots in the first quarter. I think. I mean, yeah. They were really kind of shaking off the cobwebs. I think sort of a, a baptism by fire. Just throw you out there against Kawhi, and we're just going to let you shoot until you find it. You Boy, know? And he couldn't buy a bucket yesterday. No, everything uh, was short. Everything was short, and then sometimes he would come, he was dribbling to his right, and he, as he would shoot, the shot would drift right as well. Just, you know, wasn't dialed in yet. But uh, back to the Toronto game, because it's one of those long-held basketball beliefs I've had that I can't quantify because I don't have a stat for it. But when you get down by a quote-unquote substantial amount, 18-2, that's a substantial amount. That is – when you come all the way back and you expend all that energy to come all the way back and you're right there and you don't get over the hump right there, you lose 99.99999% oh, of the time. so deflating. The you're talking about the free throws? Three consecutive missed free throws. Yeah. And I, so I, uh, did you go to Toronto? I did. You did. Okay, so uh, I taped the game and watched it late because I had some thing I had to do Friday night. So I watched it actually – I got up and watched that game Saturday morning. and It's a nice way to start the weekend. Oh, hell yeah. It was fun. A little basketball. Sipping on my coffee. Mm. And as uh, when I didn't even know that Harrison was about to step up there and miss two free throws. But when J.J. missed the free throw, I said to myself, we lost. And I'd stayed off social media. I didn't know who won. And I said, we lost. Because I've just seen it so many times. When you get all the way there and you don't get over that hump, it's like, ugh, and then it just all goes back to the way. And then Harrison goes up and misses two frees. I was like, oh, there's no that way That was wild. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, and I don't know if there's a way to find this. I don't know if he'd ever missed both free throws on a trip to the free throw line. Like Surely he has. As a Maverick. I, I don't know if that's oh, okay. ever happened. I mean, I'm sure at Golden State or in college or something, right. it's probably happened one time. But, right. I mean... He's like an 85, 86% free throw shooter. He's, He's not missed two in a row. He's it was a- wild. And then I think even after that, to their credit, they got two or three stops in a row during that run. And I think J.J. missed a layup mm-hmm. like a like a little bunny. I yeah. mean, it was crazy. And all this time, you know, and I, I think also at that point it was 90 to 89 Toronto. Very late in the third quarter with like one and a half or two minutes left, I think. And Toronto scored right before the quarter ended to go up ninety two eighty nine. I think that was your quarter heading in or your score heading into four, and uh, that was a very, in my opinion, ill timed quarter break, because Toronto gets the last bucket and you're just like, ugh, and then you got to go sit on the bench for three minutes and think about it. You know, yeah, like they couldn't just kind of keep playing through it because the drawn fouls are getting to the rim they're like things are working out you know Toronto has a lineup out there that the Mavericks were able to able to dissect a few times in a row and they just couldn't score and then the break happens you think about it you make a couple subs and there goes your momentum which may or may not exist but in that game I think it did this is I think you're right and this is I mean we're sitting here at two and four but it, it feels heavier now um the good thing is that the Lakers don't have their sea legs yet. No, Oklahoma City doesn't have their sea legs yet. And there's, you know, neither uh, does Houston, man. Houston's although I guess the for the Rockets it's like space legs. Hey, <laughs> hey shout oh, out comedy, NASA. Comedy. But you know, and they have some injuries to blame and blah blah blah. Um, and then uh, did we talk about on the podcast uh, what my buddy told me about Minnesota? And I think we talked about this last time. 
Uh, I had a buddy that that's all tied in over there, and he was talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. What it? I mean, and it's manifesting itself as they're going to have to move. They can't proceed on like this. Yeah. So they're two and four right now, and they're a heavier two and four than we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of their losses was in Dallas, and uh, they their next game is ten twenty nine. So that's today. Against the Lakers, and that's uh, so one of that those is, two teams is going to win. Yeah, and then they have a Golden State Warrior game coming up right Ooh. after that. Ooh. This is what my buddy was telling me about. He's like, "Man, take a look oh at our schedule." Oh my God, dude! Okay, they got Utah too, right? So it's versus Los Angeles versus yep. Utah. Yeah, at Golden State, at Portland, at Clippers back to back, at L.A. Yeah, and then yeah, dude, yeah. He was that he is was he tough man. So, and they're actually in better shape. He was worried about even what? a good team goes five hundred. Yeah, he was worried about one and nine. Yeah. Uh, and and with, with a soap opera going on. And so what happens is, is that thing feeds off of itself and it exacerbates the problem. And the problem that's a big problem becomes an unsolvable problem. So I'm not like doing this to go dump on other teams. I'm just saying Lakers, Oklahoma City, Minnesota Timberwolves, Houston. We're talking about four, at least three of those teams were playoff locks. Like surefire. Right. So I'm disappointed in our start. Primarily, the Atlanta game really chaps my hide, as my dad used to say. Yeah. That really chaps my hide. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like at worst we should be three and three right now. But it's we know what happens these last two years when you don't get off to the start you want to get off to. Yeah. I think one thing that we know we saw Utah last night. I don't think they played that well. They're on the second night of a back to back. Them boys is good. They are. Denver, I think, is the most interesting story of the Western Conference so far. I knew that they would be good, and I kind of had them on a little higher plateau than, you know, the teams are going to be five through nine or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, man, they're good. Yep. They're really, really exceptional. Who would have thought that first week they're the only team holding anybody under 100, and they right. did it their first three games. Yeah. That's great. And one of them was against Golden State. And so well, somebody had told me that their coach uh, was, quote-unquote, on thin ice from the standpoint of not that they didn't believe on in him, but that – uh, man, you have to make the playoffs this year, and you have to show improvement. And then they gave an extension. They gave uh, Malone an extension before the season began. I was like, man, what a great show of faith. And then they start the season the way they started. Yep. That's very impressive. Yeah, you got to feel good, man. I know we're everybody's competitors in this league, but I think Denver deserves to go to the playoffs. Can, I wanna, we, just, can we just put those feelings out there for Did them you watch the that game last year, the final game of the year, when it was them uh, versus Minnesota? I was in? rooting way too hard for Devin Harris in that game. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. And it yeah. went into overtime. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. No, for it was them, tough. Not for yeah. Yeah. Um, so, for the Mavs, uh, it's San Antonio tonight. It's L.A. on Wednesday uh, in a scary showdown against LeBron James. And oh. then come home Friday against New York. And then they get three days off. Very unusual. Uh, before a home game against the Washington Wizards. So we'll see. I mean, tonight, I think it's going to be tough. This is their first back-to-back. -back. Uh, obviously, this game is already over by the time you're listening to it, but this is the Mavericks' first back-to-back -back of the season. Starters played heavy minutes last night against uh, Utah, although it, I would say it was like a fairly physical game, but it wasn't like a – I don't think that – how do, how do I say this? Playing Utah is different than playing Golden State. You're not getting, oh, yeah. up, you're not getting up and down. So, like, you're right. – Although they played 35, 36, 37 minutes, their legs will still probably be there a reasonable amount. And right. this is a younger team anyway. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the fact of the matter is a loss tonight would put them at 2-5, and five, which means you got to win three in a row just to get back to 500. Yeah. And that is a tough proposition because their schedule on the other side of that Wizards game 
ain't easy. No, you got you got to get you need to get back to 500. Whatever the way is, you need to get back to 500. Um, I have not looked up. What do you know where San Antonio ranks in pace? Uh, I believe they are dead last, okay. if not 29th. I, I was going to assume let me, let me that pull it was... That up. The Mavericks, by the way, are 14th. Did you know that? Uh, I did. I knew that. I knew the general vicinity of where they were. So, uh, San Antonio, you know, uh, this was an interesting... They're 29th, sorry. 98.25 yeah. possessions per 100. Are you, an NFL, are you an NFL fan at all? Uh, I watch a lot of football, yeah. Okay, so what is happening in the NFL? In the NFL, uh, they're, in, they're uh, incorporating all this college stuff. Uh, it's quick passes, but it's a lot of offense. Teams are rolling up offense. Go, 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 go. And in the middle of all that, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are playing 90s football, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I mean, they're not doing it well because they're not executing right now, but the idea is use your line, control the line of scrimmage, run the ball. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if your quarterback has 200 yards, you're going to control the clock, and then you execute, 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 and we're going to win the game that way. And it flies in the face of what everybody else is doing. Then let's transpose that to the NBA. San Antonio is slowing the ball down and playing in the mid-range in the post, which is 1990s and 1980s basketball. Yep. And it's fascinating. And the reason I bring that up and compare it to the Cowboys is two sports, two completely different organizations. One is – about as rock solid in all of sports as you can get, and the other one is used to like chaos and let's uh, uh, let's market this craziness over here, and then I don't know if the coach is actually in charge or not, and all those <laughs> things. So, my point being, you can fly in the face of 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 the current trends. You can do something older if you're going to do it excellent. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys could be a better team if they executed. They're not playing excellent. The Spurs. And I think I was ready to not, quote-unquote, write them off, but I was looking at them like, man, it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs. Their point guard just got hurt for the year. They got all these guys clogging up the mid-range. But they're the Spurs. They're going to do what they do at a high, excellent level. Do they have enough to do whatever they do? Probably not in the grand scheme of things. But you know they're going to execute. You know they're going to play an excellent style of whatever that style is that fits their personnel yeah they made the playoffs last season without Kawhi Leonard for virtually the entire season I play, I think he played nine games right they made the playoffs in a year where 47 wins meant you were watching the playoffs on your couch right like the, the Spurs are they're not real they're not real so this year they've played five games they will have played six after the Mavs of course uh, they're scoring a very unspurs like 113.1 points per 100 possessions, which would be by far the highest that they've ever scored ever, ever. That's top 10 in the league in a year whenever, if you breathe, you're scoring. They're also a very, very unspurs like 30th in defense at 118.6 points allowed. That's surprising. Per 100 me. possessions. That's, that's shocking. Uh, but one thing that's not surprising at all, they're turning the ball over on only 10.5% of their possessions, which would be an NBA record by a long, 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 long margin. Yeah. if um, And part of it, too, is because they have had point guard injuries and different things. I think they're running off. No, 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 no. Like, that's, like, the, the least. Yeah. Like they're that, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm okay, saying okay. because of that situation, they're running their offenses through different things. Oh, gotcha, and, gotcha. Uh, like, we're going to do a lot of, of post-action uh, and I also I want to say this because 
I haven't always been that big of a fan, but I have to give the man his props. DeMar DeRozan is off to an unbelievable start. That guy good. Scoring, passing the ball, just everything he's doing has been incredibly impressive. Mm. And I think, you know, veteran teams that they're a very veteran team when you talk about Aldridge, DeRozan, Gasol, on and on, Bellinelli, on and on. Um, but they have a tendency to know how to play and not – you know, they're not – and that's part of uh, the idea is if you bring the pace down, this is the old Mike Fratello thing. Oh, uh, we're going to have trouble scoring. We're going to take the air out of this ball. You know, and when you do that, you don't turn the ball over. You don't have the quote-unquote catastrophic turnovers uh, that lead to runs, and then the game spirals out of control. It's a, it's a style of managing a game. That's how the Mavs played last year. Yeah. They I mean, it really is. Didn't play it at a high level. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this year, they're playing a little different. Like we just said, they're top half in, in pace. That would be the first time they're top half, I believe, in four years uh, since the 2014-15 fateful season whenever they didn't make any trades. No trades happened that year, Skin. It was all great all season long. Uh, all right, wait. I'm, I guess I'm having a – I thought that that wasn't – You're giving me nightmares on the Halloween skin. That wasn't the spit take year? No, that was – there were many takes given that year, but surprisingly there were no – there were no trades made. They didn't even have playoffs that year. So it's all good. A um, couple things. So we're talking about the Mavs' new style of play. Top half and pace, taking a ton of threes, getting to the rim a lot. Doing this while incorporating Harrison Barnes in the mix. He missed the first four games of the year since coming back. He's getting a lot of shots. I think he's just, you know, uh, knocking off the rust. We'll put it that way. In the meantime, there's been – someone's had to take the shots – and they're taking 92 shots a game, which is six more than they took last year. And last year they took three more shots than they did the year before. So in two years they're taking almost ten more shots per game, right? Right. They've got to go to somebody. You're missing Barnes. Those shots have to go to somebody. So your leader through how many games have they played? Six games. Can I guess? Yes. Is it Wes? It is Wesley Matthews. Yeah. 97 shots in six games. And 97 and six, since we're going with this Halloween theme, is a very scary number to me because that's how many free throws Dwayne Wade took in the 2006 finals. But it's okay because I'm over it. In six games, he took 97 free throws. I'm over it, Skin. <laughs> I mean, clearly you're over it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. We're not. We don't even need to talk about it because it's fine. What a dark fine. place we just went to. Yeah, man. It's fine. So, uh, as I was saying. Wesley Matthews, 97 shots in six games. A lot of people on the internet have takes. Skin, I'm sure you have takes of your own too. But for me, the way I view it is, look, whenever you have a guy that's taking 15, 18 shots a game and he's out for four games and you're playing faster and taking more shots, those shots have to go to someone. Everybody's getting a lot of shots. It is what it is. That's yeah. my official, that is my official take. There I, have been some bad shots, but guess what? Every player takes bad shots. Every uh, Most players take some bad I mean – one of the greatest players of all time is Kobe Bryant, and he's the king of taking bad Most shots. Most of his shots were quote-unquote yeah, bad shots. But Wes ain't Kobe. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, the thing we need to get to is usually when Wes is taking shots that are, if you want to you know, quantify them as bad shots, it's because the offense isn't functioning. Mm -hmm. That's not just Wes going rogue. It's not like he's going, hey, 18 seconds on the shot clock. Watch this. Uh, it's because the offense isn't functioning right. Uh, and so there's a lot of people complicit in that bad shot that gets assigned to that guy. Um, and I, I think there's still, even though those all these numbers are up, there's still a lot of things that the Mavericks have to work through. Uh, and I think that's the, the key component to all of this. Um, but, you know, I think as this team grows, I think, you know, it would be best if Wes was in a situation where he was just taking the, uh, the clean catch-and-shoot type shots 
because at this point in his career, at his age and being through the injuries he's been through, he's not a shot creator in the same way Luca or Dennis or Harrison are. Mm. So as they work through all that, I think it'll ease back to. I don't think they went into the season going, "We got to force feed West." It's just been a. It's been a function of what how the team has played and where they've ended up and it's not what they want and uh you know but if there's no time on the shot clock and it's getting helter skelter time the ball's got to go up yeah and i'm glad that you went there because that was kind of where i wanted this conversation to go so we're operating on the save on the same uh wavelength so with less than seven seconds left on the shot clock that's whenever nba.com describes it as late and with less than four it's very late so with seven seconds or less on the shot clock, meaning that you've already tricked off 17 seconds, Wes is shooting 6 of 18 from the field. That's not very good. That's 33%. In all other situations... So hold on a second. How much time? Seven seconds or fewer remaining. Okay, so you're saying it's not the old sun seven seconds or less. It's the reverse of seven seconds or less. Yes. Um, so, so 17 seconds or more. So let's do some math. Yep. So you're saying he's taken 97 shots? Uh, I believe 97 shots. Okay, and we're going to round up to 100 to make the math easier. Okay. You're basically telling me that 20% of Wes's shots are late shots. Yeah, and that, that is not good. No. You don't you don't want that. Nope. Uh, so, 6 of 18 means that he is 30. Th I'm going to do some quick uh, calculating here. So, 39 of 97 this season, which means he's 33 divided by 79. Riveting audio right now. So I like this. It's like hearing a brain work. Yeah. Uh, he's 42%. On shots that are not in that range, which is it's pretty good considering the volume of threes he takes. Because I, I think that we need to think of field goal percentage differently now because even the best players are shooting like 44% because they take so many threes. And right. if, you're, if you're like unholy from beyond the line, you're still only going to shoot like 41% on those shots. Yeah. And on your twos, unless you're hitting 60%, you're probably going to be like below 45. Yeah, absolutely. So 42%. Whenever more than half of your shots are threes, means that you're doing pretty well. And uh, catch and shoot this year, 43.6% on threes, which is really good. That's where we want to go. Yeah, 18.8% on pull-ups, which is really not good. And guess what you're doing whenever there's three seconds left on the shot clock? You're pulling up for three. Yeah. So it's these are all connected, man. Right. Um, we've talked about pace 21 before. Uh, pace 21, whenever the Mavs get the ball across half court in three seconds or less, uh, that is 21 plus whenever they get it, whenever it takes them four seconds or more to cross half court, it's 20 minus. They want the ball to cross half court in three seconds or less. Right. Every single time. Right. And unfortunately, uh, they haven't been doing it a whole lot. So Toronto, perfect example. The Mavs lose that game by nine points in that game. They got the ball across half court in three seconds or less, 46 times. In those times, they scored 1.3 points per possession, which is like you're Ungodly. winning the finals. Yeah. yeah, but they got it took them four seconds or more 55 times, and in those situations, they scored just 0.85 points per possession, which is going to be, you know, you're going to be in the lottery. Okay. Did you? Um, this is where I think, unless you have something else you want to add. Oh, uh, I mean, I was just going to go over a little more. I mean, in, in Atlanta, there were 10 more times where it took them a little longer. Uh, the splits were 1.2 versus 0.7. In Utah, they actually got the ball across much more often, scored 1.09, but uh, in the 20 minus, they scored 0.96. So whenever they run, they score. Whenever they don't, they don't. Okay, so um, this is where I want to go to Dennis. Because, you know, you, you hinted at it with the West thing. We know what basketball Twitter's like. It's mm -hmm. a cesspool. 
Um, but uh, so last night, did you hear? Were you in there with Rick's press conference before the game? Uh, before the game, I was not because okay. I was sitting on the tollway. So Rick uh, was talking about. We asked him about Dennis's function in the offense. What do you want from Dennis? And he was talking about using his speed as a weapon. And this ties back to pace 21. Mm. So part of Dennis's growth is there's times where he plays in a way that I would say, for my taste, is too cool. Um, And I think it's a function of, you know, the AAU circuit that people grow up in. But, like, if you watch Russell Westbrook, like, we can talk about what he looks like walking to the locker room. But if you if you watch him on the court, there is nothing about the way he plays that is cool. In fact, I believe the kids would call him a sweaty tryhard um, <laughs> because he plays like the tenth guy trying to make the team. He plays so hard all the time, full throttle, blast. I'm going to play until there's not one drop of energy left, and I'm on full tilt the whole game. That has its negative aspects, but for him and for that team, it's mostly positive. I want more of that from Dennis because, and Rick said it before the game last night, if he's not utilizing his speed, he's basically taking a huge weapon and he's just taking it out of the artillery. And he's like, in most NBA games, he will be the fastest guy on the floor with the ball. Most NBA games. Think about that. And so this takes us back to pace 21. So before the game, Rick said... We're actually, I'm about to have a private one-on-one film session with Dennis before the game, in which I'm going to show him some things that he's doing really well. And I noticed last night that Dennis was pushing the ball faster than he had. By my eyes, Rick may disagree or say, ah, you're stupid, whatever. But I was thinking about that, and then I watched the game. I was like, he's pushing. Mm -hmm. And that's what they want because that is a tremendous weapon. Now, you still have to make the right decisions once you get where you need to go, right? And you don't want to dribble into danger. You've heard coaches talk about, quote-unquote, over-penetrating. Well, you want to penetrate, but you got to see the way the floor is developing so you don't put yourself into a, a, a big old trap that you can't get out of, which he did late in the game on that little travel thing, yep. whatever that was. We didn't actually get the shot off. Rubio made a, a good swipe at it. But that is a key component to Dennis playing well, and I think it's hard to argue that last night he didn't play really well. That was probably his best game outside of the Minnesota game, which involved him hitting a game winner and and sealing it down. Yeah, no, I mean, that's probably the best game that you've seen Dennis play as a Maverick. Just not only his shooting percentages, but like you said, he was pushing the ball. Last night, I I have not looked at every single game, um, but I want to say last night was the first time all year where they got the ball across – in three seconds or less, more than they got the ball in four seconds or more. And that is and that a, alone is like a significant impre- – that's how you score 104 or whatever it, they did against Utah. This is why – and so there's people listening right now going, well, why don't they just do that every time? I mean, it's hard well, every time. The other thing too, though, is that this is why I want to go back to – I had a one-on-one film session with him before the game. Mm-hmm. So think about this. Think about how much basketball you've been around your whole life. There's an NBA game, and you'll hear a coach go, box out on a free throw. Box out, box out. It's like, dude, I've heard that since I was two. I didn't even know what it meant. But there's something about the human condition where you have to repeat and focus. There's so many things that can take your focus away, you know, where you're back to the basics or the fundamentals where you have to continually hammer those things home. So the message 
needs to be, you know, reasserted with Dennis, you've got to push the ball. And let me show you a clip of what happens when you push the ball. It's not just he wakes up in the morning and he's ready to push the ball. Those things have to be reinforced and reinforced again. And if this team is going to do the things they want to do this year, that's a key component. Of yeah. It. And, I mean, it's I don't think it's as simple as saying, like, hey, Dennis, we score like Golden State whenever you run it. Like, because I, with players – I don't know that numbers matter that much to them like that. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, this is like a very fun... about advanced metrics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, points per possession and stuff. I don't think they... I think that they appreciate that and respect it. And obviously, Harrison Barnes knows the difference between an 18-footer and a 25-footer, and that's why he's taking more threes. Right. You know, he's talked about that before. Um, But I think whenever you show them, like, hey... If you run the ball up the floor, it means you're more likely to get switched off against a big man and you right. can dribble around him. Like if, if you show them the why. It's just like think about it at your job. If your boss comes up to you and tells you like, hey, you know, those TPS reports, can you uh, write a line the text in those? And he doesn't tell you why, then you're going to be like, well, no, I'm going to keep doing it left aligned because that's, uh, that's the Excel standard and I, I'm, I don't want to change it. But then if he tells you the why, shows you whenever you do it this way, it makes it easier for – uh, Barbara in accounting or whatever. Then oh, like, Barbara. Yeah, that's whenever you're like, oh, okay, Barbara. there is a clear, there's a clear reason why I need to do this. I'm going to do it more. You so, have to see the success for yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, and I mean, last night, I you you've talked about it before. How Dennis is a little hard on himself. Last night, if you lose playing that way, then you might want to uh, regress back to your original, more kind of like safer, more comfortable setting of. Whenever the opponent scores, I'm going to take the ball out of bounds, trot it up the floor, gather my thoughts, let's do this. Right. But whenever you do that, and there's 17 seconds left on the shot clock, and you haven't, no one's set a screen for anybody yet, and all of a sudden you're like, you don't even have time to think about it, and now there's five seconds left. Like, right. That is hurt. That is harmful. Yeah. And you, and you have to just sort of do those things instinctively because you want to play and not think. And Rick was talking about that before the game. Is that last night's box score right there? Uh, it is. Okay. Crinkled up. So listen to this. Last night, Dennis Smith Jr. is 12 of 19 from the floor, 3 of 4 from 3. He has 27 points. And you know what he's thinking about today? He's thinking about the missed layups at the end of the game. Yep. That's And that's and the, that was a travel, but that shouldn't have been a travel, I don't think. Which is one? It, is, is it safe to talk about that right now? Uh, uh, oh, can we get fined? I don't know. It was either a foul or a jump ball. I mean. Oh, yeah. There's no way that that's a travel. Like, somebody touched it. Yeah, okay. So, I thought somebody touched it. uh, it, And on the – when we had the baseline angle reshot, or, you know, the the replay, it looked to me that if anything, Rubio might have fouled his wrist. Mm. But I don't know that I think Rubio actually got the ball. Oh, okay. I think. So, so, well, yeah, but I'm saying, like, if someone gets the ball, then it's either – a jump ball, a foul, right. or a strip. Right. It's not a travel. Like, that's think, never, I th- I at think, no level of basketball is that a travel. No, it's not. I don't think Rubio ever touched the ball, though. Yeah, me I neither. I think he got Dennis's wrist. And I don't think Dennis touched any part of Gobert's wrist whenever he blocked. Gobert on a dunk, that was incredible. Now, I will say, uh, Dennis did have his arm on uh, shol- Gobert's, like, yeah, shoulder. Right. And, uh, yeah, I. the thing is, like, I don't know if that helped Dennis spring upward. Uh, but if you have your hand on someone's shoulder, They're then call it. Yeah. Now, whether or not they give him any leverage, I guess, is up to the basketball gods to decide. But man, a point guard blocked Rudy Gobert. That's he's pretty... the most ridiculously athletic guy we've ever had. Yeah. So the I... only guy I can think of athletically we've ever had close to him, and I think Dennis is more was Tony Dumas. Well, what about uh, the great Roddy B? 
I mean, Roddy. But Roddy was different because he was just like he floated. Yeah, Dennis is like powerful. I mean, he He's like drop stepped into a two handed dunk against Trey Young. Young. That was incredible. That was incredible. And that one, the dunk he had against Gobert last night. Gobert wasn't really contesting it, but like. I think he would have, but he was so surprised that Dennis got to where he did so quickly. Like, yeah. Dennis drove baseline. I think he fake passed to look off Crowder. Right. Uh, and then drove baseline and just yammed. And Gobert was just, like, watching. Because yeah. what, what can man do against such right. reckless hate? You know, and like I think, I think too, that that registers in a way it's like, I can't get there. Yeah. And guys stop going. Yeah. Because I can't get there. And it's not worth Well, and, too, if you're, like, a big hulking center, even if you're good like Gobert – if you're like lunging out at that guy, you're gonna get called for that every single time. Right. But I will say, uh, Dennis this year still more than 13 drives per game, still averaging just one free throw per game on drives, which is just it is uh, a statistical oddity. He didn't shoot a free throw last night. Did he really not? 19, 19. Look at that. Look at that again. Tell me that. 19 FGA, zero FTA. Yeah. I'll, I'll be. I'll be gosh darned. Um. Did have two blocks though. That's weird. And uh, one should have been a third. Yeah, should have been one of those fouls. Man, should have over to the block shot column. Man, we got a at NBA official. Uh, see what see what's up. Um, so yeah, with Dennis, I think the process for him is push the ball, um, continue looking for good shots. I think last night he was looking for shots. Right, mm -hmm. he was like stepping into seventeen footers. And mid-range shots, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if you step into a pocket of space and you're wide open and you don't shoot it, you're really hurting the offense. Yeah. Because you're just going to stop and dribble between your legs twice, back out, and then you're going to be yep. having to work hard. So you have to take that shot. And if you make three of them like you did last night, they're not going to leave you open from there. And then you can get around them like you did in the fourth quarter. Like, mm -hmm. that is a that was a perfect example, a microcosm of what you hope Dennis's career can be at the beginning of the game they were sagging way off him and he was a little reluctant to shoot all of a sudden he makes a couple threes starts feeling himself makes a couple pull-ups and then he's dunking in the fourth quarter and Gobert is watching him and all of a sudden the entire offense is opened up yep if last night obviously he's not going to shoot 68 percent for his career whatever he did last night but if in five years he's having games like this pretty regularly then that that's like the best version of Dennis I absolutely think. And the assists may or may not increase, honestly, because Luke is getting a lot of the kind of the playmaking, and DeAndre all of a sudden is turning into Magic Johnson. In I mean, the, I credit post, I credit Rick for putting him in a position to make those passes, and yep. you've got guys moving, and DeAndre's finding him. Yeah, but if if Dennis is your more of your end point and less of your initiator, um, then I think that is, I think that's pretty. I think, I think that's pretty fine. I think he's going to morph into a pre Maverick Monte Ellis. I can see that. You know, people forget Monte signed a huge deal and then had that moped accident. Mm. It was a moped or motorcycle, whatever it was. I believe moped. Um, uh, I believe that was only allegedly. I don't ever think that was confirmed, but okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, no, they tried to null they the contract. Void his contract. Did, they, did they actually void it? Well, no, I think they tried to, they but tried they to, couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I, I go back to Nelly. Going, man, I tried to tell Monte I could make him the best point guard in the NBA, and he just didn't want to be a point guard. He's like, man, I just want to play. Going back to your thought about, hey, player X, if you do this, it'll lead to 1.3. And they're sitting there going, you're like Charlie Brown. You're like, man, just give me the ball. What are we doing here? Yeah. Shut up. And so I'm, I'm saying that Dennis will be some sort of that. You know, like Steve Francis shouldn't have been a point guard. 
He's just was the point guard size. Mm. But whatever that Steve Francis Montale is sort of player is, Dennis is that, uh, and it's he he can be a huge part of this offense. You know, Monte didn't run offenses. Monte got assists because he broke people down. Yeah. And I think that's what Dennis really more is. And some of these other visionary see-the-floor things, Luca's got that covered. They, yep. they, they will blend together really well once they get the, you know, get their chemistry down and, mm. and those sorts of things. Luca, by the way, I know it's really early and his numbers are going to change, possibly even tonight. He won't even qualify for this anymore. But do you want to know who the only other – 20-year-old, and Luca will be 20 by the end of this season. In February. Yeah. The only only one 20-year-old ever has averaged 18 points, six rebounds, and four assists as Magic, a rookie. Magic Johnson. Yeah. And he led the Lakers to a championship that year. So the Mavs are going to win the championship. Absolutely. Then. All right. So, yeah, I mean, that is like – there's been other players. I feel like Larry Bird did it. Uh, Michael Jordan did it. I think LeBron might have done it. So, I mean – the list of players who have gone 18-6-4 and four as a rookie is ext- – oh, no, LeBron did not do it, actually. He did not do it. Um, otherwise, he would have qualified. The list of players who have done it is very impressive. It is a lot of Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's like one or two random names on there. But uh, still way too early to take a good look at that list because Lucas played, what, like five, six games? Right. Um, but my God, 18-6-4 and four with Magic Johnson, dude, is – that's awesome. pretty that's pretty awesome. Indeed. Um okay, so uh we will talk next week. Yep. Um after the Mavs will have played the Washington Wizards on November 6th. So in between this podcast and then they will have played San Antonio, they'll play the Lakers, the who we got on Friday? Knicks and the Wizards. Knicks Wizards. So yeah. it's going to be a pretty light week. Yep. There were a lot of games this past week. A lot of like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, then they they got some time off, which is good for them, I think, because if you're trying to like get Barnes's legs back, if you're trying to get these guys used to playing with each other and all that stuff, notice too how Rick has been playing the starters together, like with no overlap with the bench uh-huh. virtually, because Barnes is back and trying to get these guys used to playing together. Uh, it's almost like preseason mode for them right now. It's just like, all right, U five, all right, come out, U five, go in. Uh, play a little. All right, uh, starters all go back in together. Play 15 out of the 18 minutes. Um, but anyway, what is going to happen in this next week? What do you want to see? What are the things that you're going to be looking for out of these next three or four games? Uh, I'm going to look for number one, a better version of what they were trying to do offensively last night. That's cementing itself a little bit more. I'm going to be looking for them before they get into a tougher stretch, getting their record back to 500. They really need to be there. Um, and then I'm also going to look for uh, a better tethering, so to speak, of DeAndre to Luca and Dennis. They still haven't completely figured that out yet. Uh, Luca made a pass last night that was like a uh, a little bounce pass in traffic. You know, Harp calls it a pocket pass, and I'm like, Dennis, DeAndre ain't getting that. I mean, he's dude, he's yep. he's DeAndre the Giant. <laughs> That's going to take off, right? It is now. Dana Larson. Did she, she did she call him that? She did that just live on air. Really? She goes DeAndre the Giant, and I was oh, like, "Have you been awesome?" It's like, "Have you been sitting on that, or is that existed and I didn't know it?" That is awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Um, so those are the three main things, you know. Those guys getting better versions of, you know, not even pick and roll stuff, just uh, you know, being more tied together. Uh, the offense doing what it was trying to do last night at a higher level, and then just 
obviously easing its way. This team has to be 500 going into that tough stretch in November. Yeah, I'm going to be looking for their uh, ranking in defensive rating. So after the Atlanta game, they were 29th in the NBA in defense. Mm-hmm. And after the Utah game, they were up to 25th. 25th is no no cause for optimism, of course. You're still bottom six in the league. But after playing Toronto and Utah, who mm-hmm. were two teams that could very well be in the conference finals, if not the finals, like mm-hmm. they're that good. After playing those two teams, they actually climbed in the rankings. Wow. So that's like that's reason for a little optimism, I think. I mean, you're giving up like 136 to Minnesota, 121 to Phoenix. Right. And then all of a sudden you play Toronto and Utah and you put up pretty reasonable, respectable numbers. I think against Toronto they gave up like 108 points per 100, which is like really, honestly, this year is going to probably be your league average. Yeah. Most years it's like, holy crap, you got you got to find a new defensive coach. But this year it is like that is – that's pretty respectable. So if they can do that against the Spurs, who have a really good offense, not very good defense – the Lakers, it's kind of the same thing. Good offense, defense, yep. eh, not so yep. much. And then the Knicks, who are probably not going to be in the playoffs this They're season. They're struggling, man. Yeah, I They're, mean. What are they, one and six? Or? Yeah, something like that. And on the road, I mean, although I will say the Knicks, every time they come to Dallas, they give the Mavs a game. And I think, I think they beat them last season. Um, poor Zingod was having a good game, but he'll be out, obviously. And then against the Wizards, again, fine on offense, defense, I don't know. I mean, you're playing – Four teams this week that are not great on defense, uh-huh. and offensively it varies a little bit. So if you can develop a little bit of consistency on defense, go defense to offense a little more, push the tempo, finally start making some threes. Hopefully, man, uh, shooting a lot. Aside from Maxi, every other Mav is below thirty-seven percent on threes right that now. Good, which is, baby. That's not great. You got to get above. Got to get a couple guys closer to thirty-five, forty. So that's what I'm watching. Can the defense improve? Because if the defense improves, the offense obviously is going to do really well because they're going to be pushing the ball, getting easy buckets. It's all about defense, man. Just stay in front of your man, Skin. Skin, I'm trying. stay in front I'm of your trying. man. I can't move my feet. I'm okay. old. All right. Don't get dunked on by Rick just, in practice. I'll just get out of the way. All right. Well, that's fine, too. That's fine, too. Uh, all right. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here? No. Everybody have a happy Halloween. Eat all the good candy and scare your friends. <laughs> Absolutely. Ah! 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 Oh, man. All right. All right. These numbers on the boards. We'll see you guys next week.